right, can you just give me a test? Test one, two, three. Test. Oh no. Great. That's coming up on your end, so that's perfect. Sweet. Cool. All right, intro. Thank God it's Friday. You're listening to TGIF, the horror movie podcast that brings you all the casual conversations about your favourite or not-so-favourite horror movies with your host, me, Kat. This week, I am co-hosting. That was, that was, let's not do that. So this week, I am joined by co-host of the Slash Her podcast, Stormy. Welcome to the podcast. Oh my God. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honoured. <laughs> um... I'm a whole ass mess on my own podcast, so I love the opportunity to mess up somebody else's. <laughs> um, so you have your own podcast slash her. Tell us a little about a little bit about what you do over there. Um, my partner Adrian is really the meat and bones of our podcast. I really just show up, um, but we also talk about all things spooky. Um. We have normally, or lately, we've been sticking to movies, but we try to venture out every once in a while and just figure out what uh, spooks us, and really, we're just thirsty horror bitches. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. I um, I absolutely crack up listening to you two on your episodes, and it's just such a relief. I mean, I listen to a lot of comedy podcasts, but yeah, you guys are lots of fun. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, so for your movie, you actually chose The Strangers Pray at Night. I'm going to preface this entire episode with The Strangers was one of those horror movies that absolutely terrified the living hell out of me. And I haven't been able to watch it since the first time I watched it. That's amazing. Um, it probably goes down as like one of the slashers that has scared me the most for sure. Yeah. It's um, it's terrifying. I mean, I'm scared of home invasion films already, so I'm kind of grateful this wasn't really that in the same context that, say, Panic Room or uh, The Purge kind of have those elements. Right. So um, what made you choose this movie? Um, to be quite honest, I'm going to say the soundtrack is probably about 98% of the reason <laughs> that I'm obsessed with this movie. Um. But the kills, um, I mean, there's like one lackluster, but they're all pretty enjoyable. Um, mix that with some good 80s music and I'm there. <laughs> yeah, it has a um, a really cool vibe. I like the neon colors that we see and all oh, the soundtrack. Oh, my God. Straight away, I was like, this is this is for me. I, I love this. This reminds me of driving uh, to my dad's house, listening to his 80s mix tapes that he'd have in the car. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely gives off that olden vibe. It almost gives me, like, Vegas vibes because the lights and the coloring, it's just, it's just fun. Yeah, it's really cool. I, um, I don't know. It's, I don't, where is it set? Because I, I couldn't find that anywhere. To be quite honest, I'm not really sure either. Um. <laughs> That's totally fine. <laughs> so, uh, let's dive into the brief of the film. So 
A family of four staying at a secluded mobile home park for the night are stalked and then haunted, hunt, haunted, hunted by three masked psychopaths. The Strangers Pray at Night, also known as The Strangers to Pray at Night, is a 2018 American slasher thriller directed by Johan, I think that's how to say it, um, Roberts, and starring Bailey Madison, Lewis Pullman, Christina Hendricks, Martin Henderson, and Damien Maffei. It was written by Brian Bertino, who also wrote and directed the first film, and Ben Katai. The Strangers Pray at Night was released in the United States on March 9th, 2018, and grossed 32.1 million worldwide on a budget of 5 million. It received mixed reviews from critics, with some considering it to be more entertaining than its predecessor and appreciated its satire of horror films, while others noted it as inferior to the original and called it cliche. So, it was still fun. Yeah, it was. I actually went and bought it on Blu-ray because I was like, I need to see this properly. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I've just been uh, buying a lot of physical media lately because I was like, I need to, I want to see special features and then I can put subtitles on if I need to. And it's just been really, it's been a good experience so far. I'm really bad with physical media. Um, I'm flaky to a fault, so I don't really stay in one spot very long. So the thought of moving all, like, everything that I want to take with me is terrible. So I will willingly just pay for <laughs> renting. <laughs> um, because I live in Australia, it's really hard to find a lot of things streaming, mainly because um, there's just so, like, I, I'm, it's the same in the States, but there's so many streaming services that it seems like things just fall through the cracks and don't get put anywhere and they don't even offer them for rent anywhere. So like not even YouTube had this. So I was like, Oh, I don't know where to watch it. So I found it at a, you know, um, it's kind of like Best Buy here. And I was just like $12. Okay. I'll buy that. That's like only double the price of me renting it. And now I own it. And I can watch it as many times as I want. I would let my nieces watch this movie. I think they would enjoy it. <coughs> I feel like it's really enjoyable for even people that don't really care for slashers. Yeah, it's one of those fun ones. Um, there's there's a couple of like slashers that I would say, yeah, watch it because it's not um, scary and you can still enjoy it even if you're not a horror or a slasher lover. Um, what was that TV show? Mm-hmm. The Scream Queens. See, that was great. Perfect. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I personally never got into it, um, but I know Adrian was obsessed and I constantly see it on the timeline. So I could I get the vibe. (laughs) I watched season one and I was like, "Uh, I can't do it. I can't dedicate time in my brain for it anymore. (laughs) I'm really horrible like that, giving attention to things. Yeah. (laughs) I think I've started Um, like a season of... A multitude of stories. Of- um, so I thought before we dive into the film, we'd talk a little bit about the soundtrack because it is just so good um, and just really, I don't know, it's maybe even better than the film. I feel without such a iconic soundtrack, I would not enjoy this film as much as I do. And that really speaks to how important a good soundtrack is for a movie. Yeah, absolutely. It's um I am a massive music lover, so when there is such an incredible soundtrack, it just it makes me feel so much like love for the movie because I'm just like holy shit, that soundtrack is so fucking good. 
Well, and it also helps. I'm the type of person that connects music with memories. And so it makes scenes stick out in my brain so much more vividly. And I love that I can recall it almost every time that I hear any of these songs. Yeah, absolutely. What would have been your favorite song on the soundtrack? Um, Total Eclipse of the Heart is a complete vibe. Um, so like on its own, Total Eclipse <laughs> of the Heart is probably my favorite. Um, but as far as the movie goes, I'm going to say Cambodia sticks out the most. Because um, they're just vibing to Cambodia. And then he just gets absolutely desecrated with a screwdriver so (laughs) (laughs) i um i'm gonna say kids in america because i remember that song from when i was a kid that and live it up by mental as anything because mental as anything were probably one of my dad's favorite bands so i listened to a lot of them uh growing up which was really cool so to hear it in a film i was just like what in in this movie (laughs) you're like childhood in my horror movies i live (laughs) oh god yes absolutely it's so it's so cool um whoever did do the soundtrack for this i don't know what their job is called but um they have my dream job i would love to do that for a living choosing soundtracks for horror films to be honest, I do that in my own life, like a music curator for this moment. I create vibes. I imagine my shots. <laughs> so to be able to do it for like a living, I would love. That is really freaking cool. Yeah. When I was a kid, I, um, at, like uh, during high school, because I went to a music school, I was like, oh, when I grow up, I'm going to, I'm going to choose music for movies if that's a job. Of course it is. I'm an idiot. <laughs> And here we are podcasting instead. Yes, absolutely. I did see someone post something about um, a horror movie festival coming up soon and they were looking for people to um, help, uh, I don't know if it was judge or just help like write feedback for a whole bunch of film clips that were horror related and I was just like, yes, pick me. This is I watch film clips all day every day. It's my thing. Like, I'm a perfect fit. Please pick me. (laughs) Take me. All I do is just watch Ice Nine Kills video clips. I know everything about horror movies and music. Oh, my God. Don't get me started on Ice Nine Kills. (laughs) That's just a whole rabbit hole that we're not ready to put on the internet. (laughs) I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. (laughs) No, no, no. It's good. It's good. I'm just the thirst factor is too much for this podcast right now. Oh my god. Okay, well maybe we should do an episode just on Ice Nine Kills. <laughs> okay. I 100% sign me up. I'm here. I'll upgrade my computer so we don't have lag. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm sure that could be an entire just podcast on its own. Here we go. What? What are we going to call it? <laughs> We're planning right now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh, don't you put me on the spot now. <laughs> but it will happen. We'll bring it to up. life. Don't DMs. worry, people. We'll be ready. Just... <laughs> We're doing it. <laughs> okay, so let's do what we're here for. 
instead of thirsting over Spencer from Ice Nine Kills. Um, let's talk about the movie. <laughs> I'm ready. <clears throat> so the film opens uh, with a really wide shot of a abandoned road, and so <laughs> when um, the uh, like the title card based on true events comes up on the bottom left hand side of the screen I thought my television had stopped working because nothing was moving until I saw the car headlights <laughs> I was like oh okay don't worry it's not frozen <laughs> every time I see the based on I true so events I'm, I just have, I just yell at my tv I'm just like you're a liar but I'm here for it well it's because we know they're lying so <laughs> free pass although yeah free pass Although I did see that um, I read in an article somewhere that Brian Bertino had based this off a bunch of break-ins that had happened in his neighbourhood when he was a kid. I don't know if anyone was murdered, but that's where he got the idea for The Strangers. So obviously this just was a continuance from that. That makes sense. Um, I feel like that's kind of how a lot of things are. We all just base um like our projects off of our trauma and for some people it works out and for other people we just need more therapy so (laughs) i'm glad it worked out for him (laughs) i went down the more therapy route oh same no one uh no one needs me to turn my trauma into a film i'll tell you that much (laughs) it's honestly gonna be like texas chainsaw massacre meets like eminem and uh, like blow like that's my type of trauma (laughs) into a movie i don't know what mine would be no i can't think because it'd just (laughs) no mine would be boring (laughs) no one would watch my movie (laughs) i i would be there to support absolutely (laughs) even if you hated it 100%. 100%. Do you know how many movies I watch because I hate them? Hate watching is my passion. Oh, all right. I'm making a movie, everyone. <laughs> I've, wa- I've watched... <laughs> if I can watch, like, The Duggars and hate watch them, then I can watch any type of movie you bring to screen. I don't even know what that is. Oh, consider yourself lucky. It's like a Mormon family with, like, 20 children. So crazy. Okay, now as an ex-Mormon, I'm kind of interested in watching that. (laughs) Okay, 19 Kids and Counting. (laughs) It's the name of the show. It's a whole mess. I'm sure you could go down a YouTube hole. (laughs) Yeah, okay. I know the show. It gets aired here on Foxtel. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) Sounds horrible. I'm one of six. Why would you... Like, being one of six was hard enough. I'd hate to be one of 19. Yuck. I'm one of three, and so hard pass on that. (laughs) Even that's just hard enough. No thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Okay. So, after what I thought was a glitch screen on my computer, uh, slash PlayStation... Uh, I actually, we see the car's headlights coming around the corner of a bend. In a trailer park in the middle of nowhere, we see three masked people who we find out are named Dollface, Pinup Girl, and the man in the mask. Um, and they arrive in their truck in front of a trailer and park. Uh, 
Dollface goes and knocks on the front door of the trailer, waking up the people that live there. The wife goes to have a look at who is there and sees a truck parked around outside blaring Kids in America by Kim Wilde out of the stereo. Now, this is what I like because I would do this shit just to annoy people, not to murder them. (laughs) I mean, I feel like if you were to ever murder somebody, they would take specifically that clip of your voice and it would be in your documentary. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. (laughs) I'm imagining it. (laughs) (laughs) um this is some really this is some really interesting filmmaking um because of the way that uh when the wife turns around we see the silhouette of dollface standing in the corner and it's just how did she get in there i feel like there are honestly so many plot holes um i'll mention another one later with the guy in the mask um so if you're not really analytical when you're watching the movie you'd kind of just look past them but, uh, yeah, I, I definitely noticed that, and it was one of my, um, like, hey, wait a minute, that's not right. Because that's my thing, is I, I always want to understand how things happened, and I'm always the one, like, that doesn't make sense. And I know it's annoying, but I'm with you. I, <laughs> I don't know how she got inside. Yeah, especially with seasoned, seasoned, I like to say that, uh, film watchers, like podcasters are when you see things like that you're just like we're not stupid stop doing this i think the effort that it takes to not have plot holes is a little bit much for some slasher makers and some especially in sequels um i feel like a lot of sequels are a hot mess as far as plot holes go um i mean this one's not bad but like if you take in like the Halloween, um, just franchise in general. So many plot holes. Nothing makes sense, but I love them all. Uh, yeah, Halloween 2 is probably my favorite of the entire series. And it has ridiculous plot holes, but I was like, I don't care. I don't care. This is insane. It's batshit. I love it. It's great. You said I noticed it and I love it anyways. And that's how I feel about most movies. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Let's just have some insanity and and that's fine. We accept that. But then there's also things that do frustrate me where it's kind of like we're just treated like we're stupid. Completely understandable. So um, off screen, Dollface kills a wife and then goes to lay down in bed next to the sleeping husband. So we can assume what ends up happening to him. Right. Um, I... If there's any type of like shift in my bed, like maybe the dog hops onto the bed... I am terrified that it's going to be Dollface. Um, I have so much trauma from just thinking about this in, like, real life. Um, Because I feel like at work, and at work, I'm sorry, at at home, you kind of just assume that you're safe. And I look at my bed as a safe place. So whenever they put horror, like, in your bedroom, I don't know, it just drives home to me and I really enjoy it. Yeah, completely agree. I yeah, my cats just have to even move on my bed and I shit myself. <laughs> they also wrestle on my bed and it's just annoying because it's 3 a.m. and that's just their thing to do at the moment. I feel like cats just randomly choose a time to show off like, hey, I'm fast as fuck right now. And it's always three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> that is exactly what they do. It's like, I'm faster than you. 
Watch me go. <laughs> You're like, I'm trying to sleep. Can we not? Uh, that's exactly what I say to them as I kick them out of my room. I was like, it is 3am. Can we do this at like 6am when I wake up? Well, and I mean, there's already connotations to like 3am being the witching hour and like spooky stuff happens. Like I don't need my animals to back that up. Okay, great. Now I'm just going to think about that at 3am. Because I already call them Spawn and Satan. <laughs> so it makes sense. You're welcome. That's what I'm here for. To keep it <clears throat> spooky. <laughs> Um, so parents Mike and I wrote Candy, it's Cindy, along with their two children, Luke and Kinsey. Kinsey, I like that name. Uh, they're on their way to spend some time at their aunt and uncle's trailer park. Here in Australia, they are called caravan parks. Um, so if I accidentally say that, just know that they're synonymous with trailer park. <laughs> Sounds good. But that's honestly kind of interesting because like caravan here is like a minivan. Like a mom van, so I just imagine like a bunch of soccer moms in a park. <laughs> just like a an actual caravan of caravans. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I love that they're going to spend family time at a trailer park before Kinsey goes off to boarding school. I was like, what an interesting way to spend your time. Right. If I you're about to move me to a boarding school, I would prefer to spend as much time at home. As I can, but I mean, I don't know, maybe like the, the family's trailer is somewhere like closer than their house. Like I tried to make sense of it in my head, but I mean, I think it's really just placing the characters where we need them. Yeah. I was just like, I at 17, 16, 17 would not want to spend my final couple of weeks at a trailer park. Like take me to the beach. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to be here with all these old people. Because you know, 98% of people inhabiting that place, if there are anybody, they're probably like late 50s to like early 70s. They're empty nesters and they're living their best life. But we just have the strangers gallivanting around, murdering people. Ruining it for everyone. (laughs) Ruining retirement for everybody. Um. So the family the family arrived to the trailer park and grabbed their keys from the kiosk. Now, it's called a kiosk in Australia. I don't know what it's called at a trailer park, like that little store. Uh, I, honest, I would just say like the front desk. I have no idea. And I that's the most trusting old man to just leave the keys. Um, my paranoia could never. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. They just... But the, there's just nobody there. How are they okay with that? Right. I, even if I knew for a fact nobody was there, my brain is just too hyperactive and would tell me that there's somebody there. And unfortunately, I would be right at some point during this movie. So. <laughs> <laughs> On rolling in, my brain would just be like, no, you need to leave. The lights are all out. Nobody's there everyone's dead just leave because my brain always goes to like worst case scenario anyway so that's where we'd be <laughs> as soon as we roll in everybody's dead i'm out <laughs> <laughs> that's just how my brain works it'll just be like oh all right off we go we we won't even slow down to pick up the keys we're out <laughs> we'll just honk as we pass by nice to see you 
Um, so they settle into their trailer um, and it isn't long until they hear a knock at the door. Cindy goes to answer the door to a young girl asking if Tamara is home. When Cindy says that she must have the wrong trailer, the young woman leaves. Uh, the family sits down to play cards and want Kinsey to join them. She kind of doesn't want to when they get upset, so she storms out and Cindy sends Luke after her to see if he can reach out and bring her back. Um, I don't blame her. I wouldn't want to play cards either. Yeah, I. there's already something going on at home. We're already full of teen angst. You forced me to spend the last of my time out of boarding school in a trailer park. Like, I'm sure as fuck not going to play goldfish with you, Mom. Like... Let me be angsty on my own. <laughs> because um, I didn't take a note of this in my note, like um, writing my plot line out, but there is a conversation between her and her mum about why she's going to boarding school and that something had happened and the other two girls that were involved weren't sent to boarding school. She was the only one sent away. So we know that something pretty bad happened, but they don't really elaborate on that situation at all. Right. Um, I'm just going to assume there's some type of, like, violence and drama and they got away with the quote-unquote, like, drama child or problem child, which is really unfortunate. Um, I'm sure it's... I mean... Being shipped away in general is going to give you some type of complex, I feel like. So I feel for this girl. Even before we even get into, like, the murdering part, I feel for her. <laughs> yeah, she is an interesting character, and I, I do like her throughout this film because she's really badass, and so is her brother. So it's really cool to just see teenagers going out on their own in this film. Right. I always feel like it's kind of like a a parent-child duo dynamic that we get uh, if a teenager is involved, unless it's like completely focused on teenagers. So I think it's fun to have a family dynamic where the teenagers really take a main role. They step into the light. Yeah, it's really cool. I like it. Also, is the Tamra um, home so- uh, line... I would shit myself if somebody came to my house and, like, for one, I'm probably not going to answer the door. But for two, like, if somebody said that, I would have two movements, a bowel movement and a physical movement because I'm going to shit myself and run. Like, that line has just stuck with me and I love it. Yeah, and the girl at the door looks really disheveled, even though you can't see her face, but you can see her hair is kind of, like, all over the place and that she doesn't look okay. Um. So Luke catches up to Kinsey and they walk around the trailer park talking together about their lives and the fact that Kinsey's going away and I don't remember what they're talking about and they stumble upon a trailer with its door wide open. So of course they go into the trailer. That's a big fat no for me. Um I don't know. I especially as a teenager I loved exploring like I mean pretty shady places if we're being honest. Um, but it was always a notion in the back of my mind that I was going to get murdered. So the fact that I've made it to like almost 30 without getting murdered is good. So I kind of feel Kenzie on the exploring part. (laughs) Something I would do for sure. (laughs) I think if like the thought of being murdered was in the back of my head, that's the reason I wouldn't go in because I'm just too scared of death. Like I have a massive phobia of being murdered. Like, yeah, too much for me. 
I think I kind of have like a fuck around and find out attitude to death. Like it's gonna happen, <laughs> so I'm chilling. <laughs> the fear is there, but at the same time, I'm just like, meh. <laughs> I, I I've gotten to that stage now. When I was a teenager, I was like, oh, don't go in there. We could die. Now I'm just like, eh, I could die. I guess. <laughs> Like, I don't have any plans for the next two weeks. I mean, whatever. <laughs> Sometimes I will literally in the morning message my sister and be like, can you message my boss and tell him I died and I'll be in tomorrow? <laughs> Those are the days where I just tell my boss, I don't know. I just work here. Like, I don't know anything. I don't have any information. I'm just here. <laughs> Part of the furniture. <laughs> I wish I could blend into the furniture, but the hair doesn't really allow for that. Mm, unfortunately, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um. So they go into the trailer and find it completely abandoned. Uh, what I found really creepy is on the windows in red paint, lipstick, or blood is written the word hello. So it's incredibly spooky um, and uh, pretty creepy. Yeah, um, I'm not down for that. <laughs> I just, I feel like that's just an obvious message that we need to get the fuck out. But being a fucking teenager, like I said, I probably would be like, oh, cool. Like, is it blood or is it lipstick? <laughs> just like lick it to find out. Oh, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> um. So they search around the trailer and they find their aunt and uncle brutally murdered, uh, which is a little bit gross. Do so like we we kind of pan away. We don't know what happens to the uncle, um, but like the short shot that we get of him, mm. like there's something wrong with his eyes. And I'm I'm really curious as to like what went down. Um, And I'm. I'm kind of upset that we didn't get to delve into that or at least get a glimpse of it. Yeah, it's kind of just like a, yeah, his eyes look a little bit weird. That's it. Yeah. They're like, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Next. <laughs> uh, so back at the trailer, the young girl is back again asking for Tamara. Mike turns her away saying she has the wrong place and he watches her disappear into the woods. Uh, fucking creepy. Would you answer the door in this situation, like, a second time? Like, initially, I could understand people opening the door, but if a second knock were to come, I don't think I would be answering the door. Like, I already gave you an answer. Uh, I'm just going to pretend I'm not home. Hmm. No, I don't think I would. I'd just be like, no, no, I, I don't care. Just, I'd just, like, <laughs> yell through the peephole, like, fuck off. <laughs> Get off my porch. <laughs> I'm trying to play goldfish here. Fuck off. We're having family time. Uh, Mike and Cindy decide that they need to go find the kids who uh, they find absolutely fucking traumatized from finding their aunt and uncle. Mike tells Cindy and Kinsey to go back to the trailer and Luke takes his dad back to where they found the bodies. Cin uh, Cindy and Kinsey, it's so hard to say their names together, Go back to the trailer to try and call the police, but their phone's uh, kind of broken. They work, but they don't. It's like they've been dropped in water or something like that. 
Yeah, I don't know personally any teenagers who would leave their phones behind in any situation. Pretty much everybody I know has their phone glued to their hand. So that is one thing that I definitely question in this movie. Um, And especially for them to find the phone so quickly, like whoever's inside, to just find them so quickly and destroy them instantly without making a peep, honestly. Yeah, it's kind of hard to believe that uh, Kinsey and Luke wouldn't take their phones with them. Um, I'm not a person who takes my my phone everywhere with me, but I have siblings who are the same age as Kinsey and Luke, and to try and get their phones off them would be like, I don't know, it, you'd have to get a crowbar to remove it from their hands. <laughs> it's like super glued. Yeah. That's disgusting. Well, not disgusting. I don't care what they do with their time. <laughs> Honestly, my brothers are both the same ways, and yet they never answer the phone, so I don't understand. I will never understand that. So I don't live with my partner, and but we, we talk on the phone every day and we message every day and whatnot. But if I were to call him, he he wouldn't answer. But he'd text me straight away and be like, hey, what's up? I'm like, no, answer the phone. What are you doing? sometimes I sit there and watch it ring to be honest I just don't have the mental capacity but I will 100% text you back exactly as you said (laughs) so I'm guilty I'm on the same level (laughs) I've definitely done the same thing Um, I think everybody's a little bit guilty uh, of it I just don't understand how teenagers are that way yes because teenagers want to answer the phone right they (laughs) want to chat they want to be on their phone answer the phone right (laughs) Um, Cindy is an absolute mess as he, she tries to remain quiet and make contact with the police. She also leaves, um, yeah, so she's, the the conversation with the police, she's, uh, she's whispering and very quiet, but we can hear them on the other end of the phone and it's kind of very distorted and, yeah, it sounds like they're underwater. I hate that when that happens to phones. Um, <clears throat> Kinsey turns around to find Dollface waiting for them inside of the trailer. Uh, Dollface is waving a massive knife around very threateningly. Uh, I can't say that word. Oh, my God. (laughs) I feel you. There's just some words that Uh, don't come out smooth. (laughs) No, this is one of the threateningly before chasing them into the bathroom where the women lock themselves in. Cindy is helping Kinsey climb through the skylight when Dollface breaks through the door and stabs Cindy to death. Now she just doesn't stab her in like any old way. She stabs her right through the back and pulls the knife upwards, which I thought was like, if these people are teenagers, that is absolutely insane way to kill someone. It's savage like for one to have the strength to do that is pretty impressive to be honest um but i mean i feel like it's such a torturous way to die like obviously you're being stabbed is going to hurt i'm not dumb but to have it just like rip straight up my vertebrae makes my skin crawl at the thought yeah it is super brutal when i saw it i was just like what the Fuck. Also, I think that these people have superpowers, but that just might be me that thinks that. No, I def- I definitely feel that. Uh, they're teleporting. They're really strong. <laughs> um, I'm also really sad that the mom gets <laughs> murdered this early on. Um, 
I'm a really big fan of this actress, as, even though I'm shit with names. I was really excited to see her, and she's our... I mean, we see the uncle and aunt die, but she's our first kill that really, like, hurts. <laughs> yeah, and she, she looks like she would be a badass character to keep in the in the film, but... In- yeah, it is that. What other movies is she in? I'm trying to remember. Um, for her, I'm, I'm not sure. Her but for the dad, I know him from The Ring. And he is so much more attractive in this movie. He really gives his all <laughs> versus his performance in The Ring. And I appreciate it. And I'm here for it. Was he the boyfriend in The Ring? Yes. Ah, I thought so. Um Sorry, I lost my notes. No, you're good. Uh, Mike and Luke find the bodies of the aunt and uncle and realize that the voicemail that Cindy had left earlier that day let the killers know that they would be arriving, leading them to wait. The man in the mask is stalking the men, and uh, I think he comes into the house, through the house. I can't remember this bit. I've only seen the movie once. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he comes into the house. Okay, I thought so. Because uh, Mike goes looking through the house to find a weapon and finds a revolver in the bedroom. And when he returns, the man in the mask is gone. So he's obviously playing some cat and mouse games with, with Luke and Mike um, to maybe to lure them back out or, you know, just fuck with them. That is something that they are very good at is the cat and mouse thing. Um I'm quite impressed with it. I, I mean, we kind of addressed it as a plot hole. Um but making them so wishy-washy kind of covers up some of that plot hole. So I'm, I enjoy. Yeah. Uh, so Luke and Mike run back to the trailer and find that Kinsey is gone and Sydney, Cindy stabbed to death, which is super sad um, because, you know, finding someone you love dead would be incredibly traumatizing. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that. I can't imagine the therapy that (laughs) anybody is going to have to endure after this. Um, And I I can't imagine finding a loved one, even in like a normal situation that's passed. So I feel for these kids. And I mean, obviously, and for Mark, because I mean, that's your loved one. Like that's the person you chose to live your life with. So sad. Yeah. But the good thing is they kick into high gear and they jump in their minivan searching for Kinsey. Uh, one of the killers throws uh, something at the windshield, which smashes it and causes Mike to swerve and crash the van into a trailer, which knocks them both unconscious. When they regain consciousness, Mike realizes that he is pinned to his seat by part of the trailer's porch, which is so sad. No, Dad. Oh, so rough. Yeah. Um. So that's one of the plot holes that I like stuck out the most is that you see that the man in the mask, you can see him throw the um, cinder block into the windshield, but then just like instantly after he's in a truck (laughs) and I'm like, he's (laughs) super speedy. He's coordinated. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. It's a little bit like, how did you get there? What, What do you mean you're driving in a truck now? (laughs) he's like i'm on the side of the road just kidding i'm in a truck and we're all just like i just got whiplash (laughs) wait a second (laughs) (laughs) exactly um 
So Mike tells Luke to take the gun and to find his sister. So Luke leaves and the man in the mask climbs into the minivan with Mike. He turns on the radio Full Ball, which is playing Cambodia by Kim Wilde, and kills Mike with an ice pick. Also incredibly brutal. Right. I mean, you could have just, I don't want to say gave him mercy, but you could have just left him be and he would bleed out. I promise. Like, it's not like he was leaving the truck anytime soon. There was no reason to take the ice pick. (laughs) But I mean, if you want to jam out to Cambodia and spend some time with him while he dies, cool. There's just no need for brutality. (laughs) Oh, yeah, because the man in the mask just sits next to him as he dies. And I was just like, you, you, you all are sick. Yeah. Um, where am I? Because there's a scene where I feel like I've missed it. Because um, there's a scene here where um, Kinsey is stabbed. Oh, I've written it. Don't worry. Scrap that. (laughs) (laughs) I'll ignore it. I thought I'd missed it, and I was just like, no, I've missed a really important part in in this movie. (laughs) You're speaking of plot points. I've made one of my own. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So... Kinsey is then attacked by Pinup Girl and the man in the mask, but she manages to evade them, only to be ambushed and stabbed in the leg by Dollface. Uh, this scene is really confusing for me because it just happened very quickly, and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait a second! What's what's happening? They're all here now. I don't get it." I also, uh, I just don't understand how the three like coordinate so well, like. Their communication is otherworldly because I would be waiting for a cue, like still waiting in the woods and everybody else is busy stabbing. And I'd be like, uh, so what are we doing, guys? Like, but they're on it. They've (laughs) they're on it. They're they've got this plan to a T and I'm impressed. Yeah, I'd definitely be still in the woods, like, scrolling on Twitter just because I've forgotten that I'm there to murder people. I would I would see somebody run by, like, screaming, and I'd be like, oh, shit, yeah, my turn. <laughs> I forgot. Sorry. <laughs> Get back here! <laughs> be like, wow, you're really fast. <laughs> Um, so Luke manages to rescue Uh, Kinsey and they, uh, sneak around the trailer park trying to keep away, um, as, you know, these three continue to stalk and look for them. Luke hides Kinsey away under a porch to keep her safe and heads towards the store to use the phone for help. Now, there was a scene that was in this part that was removed and, or like an alternate scene. And the man in the mask actually knows that Kinsey is under the porch and what he does is he walks away and then comes back and then urinates on the porch like millimetres away from Kinsey's head and then leaves her there. I think it's just to let her know that he knows she's there. Oh, my gosh. It's almost like he's marking his territory. And that's straight up primal. That is one thing that, like, 
these people have is like no morals. They're very like animalistic. They're 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 carnal and the whole like why not line later on really proves it. Yeah, I find that line really interesting because it, you know, it's just so brutal. Like, why can't I kill somebody? Why not? And like, how do you, what do you say to that? I mean, a shotgun blast to the face is really, I mean, (laughs) I feel like that's the only answer because otherwise you're just like, um, because you're not supposed to, I don't fucking know. Um, Is this where I teach you a lesson on not killing people and then killed you? Like, this feels like an oxymoron and then you shoot them. That's exactly what you say. (laughs) This feels like a massive juxtaposition to what I'm meant to be doing right now. Uh, So this is the coolest scene in the entire film and I've found so many articles on this. It's ridiculous how many people have discussed this scene and, like, analysed it, which I thought was really freaking cool. Yeah. Uh, This scene is, like I said, probably the main reason that I love this movie. Just the soundtrack. I mean, the the song in general, but the way that the sound, like, fades in as they're... or fades out as they go underwater. This scene, I couldn't have asked anything more from it. It really just stays feeding us the entire time, and I live. It's definitely a super iconic film and a film scene, and it's just, yeah, I, I don't know, I just, I loved everything about it. It's just so aesthetically pleasing, even though it is really brutal. Right. I mean, the zoom in to um, the pinup girl, I think that's her name, just the zoom in to them running into the pool area yeah. is iconic. And um, I don't know. It's just the scene's so fun. I legitimately will watch it on YouTube like often. <laughs> why, the, why the hell not? So Luke runs out to the public pool and he is ambushed by pinup girl who he overpowers and grabs her knife and brutally stabs her to death. Now I really like this kill because we see it from pinup girl's perspective and we can see Luke over the top of her and there's just like blood like spraying up on him and it's just so ridiculously well done and I really really like it. Oh yeah that shot's beautiful and it also shows that like He's really been pushed past his limits. He's become one of them because he's just going at it. He doesn't stab her once. He's just, he just breaks. And you can see like his face shaking, like the fury is there and it's beautiful. Yeah, he is fucking angry because uh, the man in the mask shows up and Luke is boasting that he has killed one of his. And he says, you know, I killed one of yours. How does that feel? How does that fucking feel? And you can just hear the spite in Luke's voice because he is just so angry at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like his character is a minor, so I'm not going to say that he's attractive, but the absolute, like you said, spite, the boastfulness, like that is so attractive to me that he is just snapped and he's ready to take on the next. Yeah, and I think that that just really carries out through the rest of the film with Luke and and Kinsey as well because they're both just hit tipping point 
uh, having lost their parents and now they're trying to survive. And, you know, these strangers don't want that. They're, they're there specifically to kill as many people as they want or can. Uh, so the man in the mask is clearly furious at Luke and he's swinging a massive axe around. And I actually read a uh, an article uh, that was published only a couple of days ago about the the actor that played the man in the mask and this scene in particular. So he was actually mm-hmm. uh, a baseballer during uh, high school. I'm not too sure about college, but he was talking about how he was a power swinger. So someone that would, you know, if they actually connected with the ball, would hit home runs and, and uh, grand slams and things like that. But he was talking about how when he used to swing the bat, he would um, sometimes swing around, like, in a circle. And he said it was just really comedic. And so that helped him to be able to really powerfully swing this axe around during this scene, which I found really interesting because I love baseball. That is really interesting. Um, I always wonder, like, logistically how these things work. Like, I understand it's coordinated and it's, like, uh, choreographed like a dance. But I always just worry that, like, something is going to happen. And I'm sure there's safeguards, but, like, it really raises my anxiety on these types of shots. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I definitely feel that. Because I'd just be like, imagine just getting clipped in the stomach by an axe. Right. And I feel like the stomach, I feel like the stomach is one of those places where, I mean, that's where axes and knives are most often used. I I don't know if that makes sense, but I feel like unless you're going to be lopping somebody's head off with an axe, I often see them like catching them in the stomach in horror movies. Yeah, definitely. And like entrails and... (laughs) Um, So Luke falls into the pool and grabs the axe, which uh, trips the man in the mask into the pool. And then they're fighting. And um, the man in the mask stabs him in the back and leaves him floating in the pool to die. Um, So I've got a little extract from an article written for Bloody Disgusting by Patrick Bromley, who writes, Like the rest of the movie, the lighting and colour saturation of the pool sequence are heavily stylized, with cinematographer Ryan Samul giving the entire film a candy-coloured aesthetic designed to evoke the 1980s cinema from which Prey at Night draws its influences. The sequence at exactly one hour, because this scene happens at exactly one hour into the film, is easily the movie's most gorgeous, though bathed in the neon glow of several gaudy palm trees and the cool blue reflection of a heavily chlorinated swimming pool. Bonnie Tyler's total eclipse of the heart blares over the speakers throughout the scene, but it's never used wink-wink ironically or to contrast what's happening on screen in a way that undercuts the intensity. If anything, its use only enhances the intensity because of when and how Robert chooses to have the song drop in and out. It's never on the obvious crescendos, uh, it never when you might expect, and by keeping the viewer off balance even in that small way, the pull sequence ratchets up the tension and destroys the potential for predictability. Nothing in the scene happens quite the way we expect, which I thought was a great way to summarise um, the pull scene, and I, I completely agree with the sentiments in this uh, this part of the article. Absolutely. Like like he said, it's 
a beautiful scene. And I think the fighting in the pool um, is really interesting to me because it's so it's hard to throw the dynamic, but that that's they really are. They're fighting. They fight for a good while, like losing and gaining like power and then to unfortunately to his demise. But you really start to feel some hope for him for a minute because he is fighting so hard. Yeah, and the the good thing about this film is that we never, ever empathise or sympathise with the strangers. And I find that sometimes in some slashes, I kind of do find myself empathising with the killer. However, in this, you just don't. Definitely. No, because they have no rhyme or reason in what they're doing. And like I said, they're so carnal about it that I there's no spot for me to be like, oh, poor killer. Yeah, exactly. There's no yeah, no rhyme or reason to what they're doing. So you're just like, okay, I don't feel sorry. But then when you watch films like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Leatherface is clearly a very I empathize with Leatherface. Um because, you know, his home's being invaded by strangers. He doesn't really know what's going on. And so you kind of feel sorry. You're just like, well, fuck, all these people keep coming into your house. I see why you're upset. And yeah, in this film, you just don't feel that ever. <laughs> right. And I love that they chose Total Eclipse of the Heart for this scene um, because the first time that I remember it being used is in Urban Legend. And it's so campy in that movie that um, I really loved seeing it in a more serious setting. Fuck, I forgot they used it in Urban Legend. I love that film. Mm, so good. I might have to watch it tonight. But I am on a... A giallo journey at the moment so that's all I've been watching this weekend (laughs) (laughs) fair enough we'll just add it to the list that's what I do and eventually I make it there Uh, Kinsey shows up and pulls Luke out of the pool and goes to find help eventually she reaches the road and a police officer pulls over to check on her as Kinsey tries to explain what is happening uh, Dollface shows up behind the police officer and stabs him in the back. It seems like these guys have an endless supply of knives. Right. I feel like they just have, like, a butcher block hiding in every single one of these trailers, and they just have them at their disposal. Um, Did you see... Did you watch the unrated version? I'm not too sure. Okay. Well... Uh, the only difference is that this scene is more bloody. <laughs> that is generally the only difference is that there is so much more blood in the unrated when the cop is killed. Hmm. I, I don't, I, I'm not too sure because Australian classification is really like strict, but this got an MA15 plus, which would be what most of your films R18 would be like your R rated films. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Um, so Kinsey tries to make a getaway in the police cruiser, but realizes that Dollface has the keys as she dangles it in front of her. I really love this because this is such a massive reference to Scream uh, when Ghostface does the same thing. Oh, to Sydney. the Ghostface! Because there's a yes. few. Yeah. <laughs> um, this you can tell that Brian Bertino really loves horror films um, with the references that he gives mm-hmm. throughout this film to to classics. Oh, the getaway scene is one hundred percent an homage to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There's no questioning it. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I absolutely love when they do the dangle the keys. Uh, at this point, Kinsey's absolutely sick of their shit. So she gets out of the car with a massive shotgun and blasts Dollface, who ends up on her ass. And as she is bleeding to death, Kinsey stands over her and asks, why are you doing this? To which she replies, why not? Kinsey proceeds to blast Dollface's head off with the shotgun, which looks insane, like as her face is literally just blown away it's just gone there's pieces um i love how messy it is and like i said previously like that's the only way to answer that question is a shotgun blast to the face like i love it if kinsey didn't do this dollface just would have gone back to killing people so she did the right thing right she's really the uh she's really just helping people in the end (laughs) (laughs) um so this scene is actually a reference to uh, Michael Hen- Hen- Haneke's controversial film Funny Games, which served as an influence for the original Strangers. Uh, so it echoes a similar line from the first film. However, Dollface's response when because you were home is why not? Um, yeah, so I thought that was... Yeah, I really love the because you were home line um, from the original because... <laughs> I don't know. It gives me goosebumps every time I think about it because, like, that's literally the only reason they were targeted is because they were home. And that's terrifying. Yeah. The original Strangers came out in, what, 2008, I believe? I believe so. Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. So I was still quite young. And I just, yeah, that movie really did a number on me for some reason. Yeah. Especially... Like, I think about it more and more as I get older and, like, as I started living on my own. Um, like, honestly, I'm the most paranoid person. And then for me to watch these time of films and torture myself <laughs> is really not the most <laughs> smart thing to do. But here I am. <laughs> but these movies have definitely made an impression on me. Yeah. I think they're fantastic. And I'm... A- in the original, like Liv Tyler is probably one of my favorite actresses. And so watching her in a horror film, I was just like, oh my God, Arwen is in a horror movie. <laughs> like my heart, my two things added together on screen. Lord of the Rings and horror. <laughs> <laughs> the most interesting crossover. I need it right now. I'm sure it's somewhere on the internet, but it's weird. <laughs> it's definitely a fanfic somewhere on the internet. It has to be. I'll search through Wattpad and I'll hit your DMs with it. (laughs) I wouldn't be mad. (laughs) Uh, Kinsey jumps right back in the SUV and starts to drive off. The man in the mask arrives uh, in his truck and drives straight into Kinsey. Kinsey noticed that there is a gas leak and uses her light to cause both, uh, light her to cause both of the vehicles to explode, which this scene is just so fucking good. So not only does it is it inspired by Halloween 2, where uh, Dr. Loomis blows up the hospital room, but also uh, Christine, which is one of my favourite Stephen King films. Oh, I love that. Be ready for September on Slash Her. Slight plug. Ooh, I'm in. <laughs> but, <laughs> but this scene is like you said it's amazing but it's also a little ridiculous it gives me like 
some badass like action film vibes where she just throws the lighter and walks away as like some transformers blow up behind her it's ridiculous but i love it <laughs> yeah i kind of like it because kinsey is just really badass at this point and i'm just like yes yes i love this shit i wish that i had like half the creativity that she has and then like the like will to live <laughs> because she is so smart (laughs) she's so smart and like thinks of things to do to keep herself alive and as many horror movies as i watch as much shit as i talk i know i would be absolutely useless in this situation and be like i don't know i tried to run and they stabbed so um you just had me at will to live i wish i had that will (laughs) i don't honestly like I, this is completely going off, but like Jigsaw would be wasting his time if he put me in a trap because I'd be like, I'm not playing your fucking games. Take me out. I don't. He wouldn't even pick me. He'd be like, Nah, she ain't got nothing to learn. <laughs> They'd be like, This one. He would I, literally um, be like, This one's stupid as fuck. I don't know why. <laughs> why I wasted my time. Yeah, like I didn't plan on living past like 18, so I'm on bonus time right now i'm in my bonus round genuinely because people ask me the job that i'm in is not a career that i want to stay in so people ask me like well what do you want to do and i was like i don't know i didn't plan on making it this far i wasn't even sure i was going to graduate high school and not because i'm dumb so (laughs) yeah exactly like for the last 10 years going off topic a little bit I um I've been working in a job that I thought that's the career I wanted to be in and now I'm going back to the career I wanted when I was in high school and I'm kind of like okay well I didn't really have plans to even graduate college so I mean this is okay right (laughs) even at 32 Like, I mean, honestly, me being here is a miracle. Me being employed is a miracle. Let's just not ask questions. Don't ask questions you don't want the answer to. Genuinely. <laughs> so uh, the fact that the car is on f- fire does not stop the man in the mask, who has survived the explosion and continues to chase Kinsey down the road with the truck engulfed in flames. However, as he corners her, he he gets out of the car and he's heading towards her with his axe, but he just, like, drops dead, which I was like, well... It it feels like those moments where, like, you're, like, baiting somebody, like, oh, you almost got it because he almost gets to her and just... I love it, though, because he doesn't deserve another kill. But honestly, the balls that he had to, like, keep driving this truck after it was engulfed in flames. Like, I mean, I guess you really don't have anything to lose at that point. But, like, Jesus. (laughs) He really wanted to get her. And, I like, I he just, the determination, even though he's, like, burning from the outside in, he's just, he's out trying to, trying to finish the job right that is one thing i will give this entire cast is that they are determined and i cannot relate (laughs) uh i like your commitment but i don't know what that feels like (laughs) exactly (laughs) (laughs) so kinsey reaches the road outside of the trailer park and flags down a mum and her son driving by in a pickup truck but the man in the mask is back again with his axe who I thought, you know, lol jokes, he's not dead. 
and the mum and son try to bail on Kinsey. They're just like, no, fuck this. You can die. We're out. Honestly, same. Um, <laughs> like, uh, you're a complete stranger. I'm completely willing to sacrifice you for me and my child. I'm sorry. But Kinsey's like, not going to happen. Just hops in the back of that truck. Like, you are not leaving me. And honestly, the agility for her to just hop in the back of the truck and, like, not fall out. Because that would be me. I, if I made it in the truck, I would probably topple out and that would kill me. So, like, the man <laughs> in the mask is still going to be upset that he didn't get the last kill. But, like, also I'm dead. So <laughs> He might get to swing at my corpse. Right. And who's the winner there? <laughs> It's like a win-win, isn't it? Because you don't get killed by the man in the mask, but he also gets to chop your corpse. Like, listen, we'll compromise. I'll jump out of the truck. Like, <laughs> meet me in the middle here. That's all I na- That's all I'm asking. Oh, I wouldn't be jumping out of the truck. I'd be like fish belly flopping out because I'm that uncoordinated. <laughs> I wouldn't. Yeah, it's not for me. Uh. So Kinsey climbs into the bed of the truck as the man in the mask attempts to climb in. Kinsey grabs a baseball bat and takes a massive swing at the man in the mask. It connects with his head and snaps his neck. Whoa, what a swing. That's one of those moments where like all of your adrenaline comes in. Like it's all or nothing. We're in the last quarter and she's been preparing her whole life for this and she acts exactly that (laughs) yeah she really does it's oh it was just when you heard the snap of his neck I was like holy shit okay I was just expecting it to hit his head and he get knocked out and fall out of the truck but she like kills him impressive imagine being like an early I mean late teens and you're just like yeah I escaped some murderers and also I killed one (laughs) But, like, another also, my whole family's dead. (laughs) Like, what a story, huh? I shouldn't laugh at that. Dark humor is how I make it through. Ah, me too. Don't worry. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, we fast forward, like, I guess it's a couple of days later. And after the events of the night, uh, that particular night, Luke and Kinsey are recovering in hospital. So I think Kinsey's in Luke's hospital room with him. And she has a nightmare. And is waken, uh, waken up from that. Um, she goes to fill a cup of water when she hears the sound of a jack-in-the-box. It is the same sound that she heard previously uh, where Dollface had lured her into a room of the abandoned trailer of her aunt and uncle, which we probably should have mentioned, but I forgot about that bit. Um, and then hears a familiar <laughs> banging on the door. Finn. Yeah, no... <laughs> Poor baby, because that's going to be the rest of her life. Honestly, she's probably going to be, like, terrified of the pizza man, the postman. Like, anybody who knocks on a door, she's ready to knock them the fuck out. And that's just not a life I want to (laughs) live. Poor baby. And her brother's probably terrified of pools. Um, I feel like you can't, (laughs) I feel like you can't make me go to boarding school after all of that, right? Like, maybe there's some type of homeschooling program. 
I I honestly worry about their future as like humans after this. But hey, they made it out. They made it out alive, which is really great um, and predictable. But that's fine. That's the predictability of this film kind of makes it really enjoyable, like an easy to watch film where you're not going to get super scared by anything. You're not going to. Um, see anything you don't particularly want to see in jump scares it's i really enjoyed it for that factor oh yeah the few jump scares that that you have are like lights or like a mask it's not like anything that's gonna stick with you and i think that's fun yeah this is definitely a fun movie i i really enjoyed it so thank you for getting me to watch it i didn't even know it existed until you mentioned it uh, as you wanting it to be your movie to talk about. Oh, wonderful. I love when I get to introduce people to any type of movie, especially horror, because I was out of the horror game for so long that I feel like I'm constantly playing catch up. So when I get to be somebody's like introducer to something is really exciting for me. Yeah, I bet. I am playing catch up also. So <laughs> I know how that feels, mainly because I watched a lot of new horror. So I was just watching whatever was coming out at that time from when I was about probably in my early 20s. And so it's now that I'm going back and watching all these classics and, you know, finally seeing all these films for the first time. And it's just really cool because there's also new horror that I haven't watched, like the, this this movie, for, for example. I can't even remember the instance when I first saw this movie. It doesn't really stick out. But I think that's because I've watched it so many times. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. It's a, it's definitely one of those films that I think I'll find myself watching again in the next week or two. Oh, good. Um, real quick, I do want to ask you what your favorite, like, kill is. Ooh. Probably the mom. Just because it's so okay. ridiculously brutal. Yeah. Completely understandable on that. Uh, personally, I would say the dad, but I think I adjusted earlier. It's only because of the music. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> I'm here for it. I get that. All right. So the question that I ask all of my guests is, what is the last horror movie that you watched? Um, the last one that I watched is The Autopsy of Jane Doe, and I watched that last night. Nice. I recently watched that for the first time because uh, Adrian and I are actually doing an episode on it and it was not what I expected at all. That's actually the reason that I watched it is because Adrian mentioned <laughs> that y'all were watching it and I was like, oh, I want to watch it again. So <laughs> synchronicities across the board. Really good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, like you said, it wasn't what I was expecting um the jump scares are like chef's kiss um do recommend if people haven't seen it yeah absolutely it's good it's a good fun movie that's another like fun supernatural film it was good i wasn't expecting supernatural so whenever we brought that in i was like oh (laughs) yeah that was my reaction too i was just like i'm sorry this is a supernatural movie what like, I mean, there obviously had to be, like, an element of supernatural for, like, something to happen during an autopsy and the body to come back to life. But, like, the elements are not what I was expecting. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I wasn't expecting her to just be a cadaver for the entire film. That's what I was... That was really great. Right. That was, that was cool. I personally could never work in a morgue because I would... My anxiety would be on a 10 at all times. And I admire anybody who can do that job. Um, I... D- I do deal with dead bodies in my current employment, but uh, not after they've uh, been like cold and tagged and like put up. So (laughs) kudos to them, because I would automatically assume this movie every single time. Uh, Yes, I wanted to be a taxidermist at one point, which meant that I could have also been a mortician. So that would have been really fun, I think. Kudos to you. Not me. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely for a, a particular type of person, I think, and I definitely wasn't one of those people, so I abandoned that idea pretty quickly. <laughs> I'm glad that you like figured that out before, like you went into a bunch of schooling, because I feel like a lot of us, like we like the vibe of something, then we waste like four years going to college, and you're like, oh fuck, that's not what I want to do at all. Uh, been there, done that. So, <laughs> not not the not the mortician school, <laughs> not mortuary school, but other things. Yes. Um. So, please tell us where listeners can find you and slash her on social media. Um, my personal account is my lonely biscuit, and that's both on Instagram and Twitter. Um. And for slash her, you can find us at slash underscore her underscore pod on pretty much every platform. So thank you so much for having me. I've had such a blast. This is my first time recording without Adrian. So sorry it's awkward, but here we are and we had a blast. (laughs) It is not awkward at all. Um, (laughs) You're all good. So thank you to my wonderful guest. Please check Stormy and the Slash Her podcast at all the mentioned places. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please leave a rating and review to catch all the latest from me. You can follow the podcast at TGIFpod or my own personal Twitter at Catstead underscore. You've been listening to TGIF. See you next Friday.